0: Well, Good News Company, thank you so much for joining us online. It's so good that we can still worship together, that we have the technology, that we've got the, the the video to be able to worship together. We might not be under the same roof, but we are under the same name, the name of Jesus. And together, we know his promises never fail. So I wanna thank you so much for joining us. Look, before we jump in and start this new series together, um, I want to say, hey, drop a comment below. Make sure the church fam knows you're here. Make sure everyone is saying, hey, give yourselves virtual high fives, all that sort of stuff. Um, Obviously, um, we're meeting, we have been meeting in person here at the Hub. Um, Obviously, recent, this last week with a few different outbreaks, issues, things like that, we've had to just jump back online. It doesn't matter because Holy Spirit still wants to speak. He's still going to move in. And through your life this morning. I really believe that. Um, So, just a quick update, like we don't actually know what's going to happen next Sunday. We're sort of just waiting to see what's going to happen this week, Um, but you'll be informed no matter what, whether we're meeting together, side by side, or again online like this. But no matter what happens, we're excited because we know our God is on the move in this season. Um, So, thanks for joining us here today. Okay, I'm really excited because we've got a new series we're starting today. Now, if you're new to church and you're like, series, what's a series? Well, it's the same as like a TV series. Uh, We've just got a series of messages that sort of go together and uh, we're not gonna binge watch them. We're just gonna take them one at a time. Um, You've probably been doing too much binge watching anyway. So we are going to jump in um, to this brand new series. And here's the thing, okay? Um, This series, these messages are kind of aimed at your growth, at your spiritual growth, your spiritual formation. Um, we recognize the season that we're in and that this is a time right now where we as believers need to be growing in our maturity, growing in our in our spiritual formation, becoming more like Jesus. And so this is the series that is gonna really bolster, it, it's gonna be like going to the gym for your spirit um, and for your faith. Uh, over this next few weeks and I'm really excited so you know what you can invite your friends but really this is going to be something that you're going to walk away from and I believe you're going to not be like three years old in faith you're going to be like a veteran muscly you're going to be like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of faith amen someone put Arnold Schwarzenegger in the comments right there so good all right we're jumping in we're going to have a great time now listen here's my other preamble okay um this this message it's going to be a little bit more like teachy, okay? We've got the screen. I know it's flickering for you a little bit. Just ignore that, okay? That's, it is what it is, okay? It's just going to keep you alive today. To so we've got the screen. We're going to pull up some scriptures. We're going to have a little look um, at some uh, this topic today. But the name of the series is this, uh, Beautiful Resistance. Put that in the comment, Beautiful Resistance. And it's actually based out of this book written by John Tyson. You can go pick it up, Karong or wherever online. Audiobook, that's a really good one. Um, And it's this idea of um, the joy of conviction in a culture of compromise. Having a conviction in a world that is going to be more, that is more and more compromised. So in a time of um, compromise in our world, of disillusionment, um, I believe that God is calling his people to live a beautiful resistance against the, the compromised culture. Um, we live in a culture where things seemingly to be getting more and more and more shallow and empty. And, you know, to respond to this, uh, we're seeing these radical shifts in culture, these radical shifts in the areas of ethics and morals and sexuality and secular ideas, um, radical shifts in our work and our family lives and what's sort of normal. Um, And even religion has been compromised in certain aspects. And um, it's the shift, the radical shift in all these things, has made it so easy to live as a compromised Christian. You can be a Christian but you can also be a compromised Christian. But if we're gonna see the vision to see people reached and raised for Jesus, we can't be compromised Christians. We've gotta be Christians who live with conviction. Put that in the chat, conviction, conviction, conviction. Um, And so today, I encourage you to, um, if you're watching on your phone, get get a, a notepad out and write down notes for this series, begin a journal. Um, Our small groups, our tribes are going to begin focusing around these ideas week to week as well. Um, So I want to encourage you, this is going to be so good for us. We're going to become that beautiful resistance. Beautiful resistance. Before we go on, I want to thank uh, behind the camera, we've got Josiah. uh, We've got uh, Harrison. These guys are here doing an epic job. Give them a hand clap emoji in the comments. They're clapping behind, you can hear that. Um, we're excited about, you know, man, it doesn't matter where we meet like this. There's something powerful when we come together, no doubt about it, but we're still going to open the Word today. Um, So I encourage you to take some um, notes today to pray, um, and it's going to be good. So I'll I'll pray, and we'll ask Jesus to help us today. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here right now. Lord, we don't want to go on and live in that compromised culture, God, but help us through these messages to live with a sense of, of conviction, God, look, help us to be in tune with Your Holy Spirit. And put You first in Jesus' name. Put in the chat, Amen, 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 Amen. So the big idea of this message is this: is that worship must resist idolatry. Worship must resist idolatry. Can I have your? Can I just borrow that real quick? Okay. Worship must resist. Idolatry, and we're gonna we're gonna launch from the scripture today in the book of Exodus, chapter thirty-two, um, six verses at the start. You don't messed up, aaron. If you know that meme, this coming up. This is where it came out of. So we're gonna read it here in Exodus uh, thirty-two. It Says when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, "Come on." make us gods who will go before us. Little G gods uh, go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who's brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. He gone. We don't know what's going on with him. Aaron answered them and said, take off the gold earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters were wearing and bring them back to me. Uh, So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. And he took them, And uh, uh, he took what they had handed him and made it into an idol and cast it into the shape of a calf, uh, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Man, can you believe what's going on right now? They're saying to this golden calf, this is the God that brought us up out of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf. A place of worship, and he announced tomorrow there'll be a festival to the Lord. And so the next day, the people rose early, sacrificed burnt offerings, and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Today, we're talking about this idea of idolatry. I don't know if you've ever heard a sermon on idolatry. And maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but it's not exactly the weekly topic that we talk about in church. And primarily for this reason is because we tend to think today, well, idolatry isn't a really big issue today. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, we don't go and make some golden calves and we don't go down to the jeweler and buy all their stuff and then make a cool idol out of it and start worshipping it. Um, that's what you might be saying. We don't have idols Today, Uh, we don't, you know, give up lots of money um, or valuable things to create an object that we can worship. We don't do that today. We don't take statues or images of idols with us everywhere we go. You know, we don't leave home without it. Um, You know, and if we forget it, we're likely would go back. We don't really do that with any sort of idol today. We don't like sing and dance in front of them or anything like that and you know we don't get that little rush of dopamine whenever you know one like talks to us or kind resp- of notification Hold on. I- i'm good uh sorry just got a notification you know we don't get that little rush of when we see that little like screen light line- oh sorry that thing light or that idle line up we don't get that so i know what you're saying it's not really relevant we don't like to keep it like nice and polished and clean and, you know like we don't we don't really, idols, they're not for today. We don't really, and you know, obviously right now you're looking at me and you're saying, Kieran, I can see the point that you're making here, but I want to talk about the reality of idolatry. Of, of I'm oh, sorry, idolatry. I promised I wouldn't make that mistake. The, the reality of idolatry, I, okay. idolatry. That's the word, the reality of idolatry. Um, that's the first thing we're going to look at today. Um, the reality of idolatry, you know, idolatry is a really old topic. It's a really, really old topic, but it's been a reality for the people of God in every age. In every age, the the idea of um, uh, idolatry has been present. Um, And I dare to say specifically, even in the 21st century, you know, if we if, if, if we're going to resist the culture as Christians, uh, what we need to do is recognize our modern-day idols. Recognize them. Someone right? recognize. Uh, and then we need to replace them. If we're going to live out our calling, if we're going to resist the culture, we're going to have to recognize our modern-day idols and we're going to have to replace them. You know, the golden calf in Exodus um, seems unthinkable to us, right? We're like, what? Are you serious, Israel? God, he just delivered you from slavery. He parted the Red Sea. He's led you through the wilderness. You can see the glory of God on the cloud, on the mountain. And now you're saying, oh, I don't know what's happened to Moses. Let's get a golden... We, we, to us, that seems unthinkable. We would imagine if we saw more of God's power... Uh, you know, like a legitimate miracle, we would never doubt again. But the Israelites saw incredible miracles. Their story, Exodus, is full of miracles, of deliverance and provision. And yet it didn't take long for them to turn away from the living God to a man-made idol. And they still took. And the funny thing is, is they took the wealth of Egypt, the earrings, the gold. They all took it from Egypt, the very place. God, that was the stuff that God gave them in order to set them up for their journey and for their future. Um, The the wealth of Egypt. But now they're taking something that God had given them and turned it into an idol. And we say, that seems unthinkable, Kieran. We're not going to go get ourselves a big statue of Nebuchadnezzar or, you know, get some golden chicken and bow down to it. We're not going to do that. But unfortunately, we see this happen again and again and again in the Bible. And that should produce in us a deep caution, a deep caution and also a humility in us to think, you know, like, oh, well, that was then. This is now. Things are different today. We need to be aware of our own heart's tendency, the human heart's tendency towards some other Things other than God. Idolatry is per, per, uh, per, per, pervasive in any place and in any time. And maybe even more in the Western world, in the modern age, idolatry is a little bit more um, something that could really enslave us because uh, it might be way easy for us as Western modern people to be enslaved to idols than our ancient, you know, our, our ancient forefathers and counterparts. Because our idols, write this down, our idols are often the familiar realities of daily life. Religion, church even, work, money, relationships, sex, status. These things are the familiar, the everyday things of life. And and we become so susceptible to them because we don't. Recognize them. So the title of this message part one of beautiful resistance is this iPhone Idols iPhone Idols now, I'm not dissing iPhones. Okay, I have an iPhone and I'm not saying Samsung is good They're bad. They're evil, too, but uh, they're shaking their heads behind me, but um the, The point I'm trying to make is this an idol doesn't have to be some big outward statue that you come home to every night and worship uh, maybe it's mounted on your wall. It doesn't have to be this, this big um, it, it, obvious thing. It can be something so simple, something part of our everyday iPhone idols. I'm going to look at the root of idolatry because you've got to look at where something has come from, where, where, where the foundation is if we're going to be able to resist it and replace it. And we're going to look at um, Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. And I'm going to look at it in the message translation. It says this. It says, uh, "They they traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hands for cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside stands. It says they traded their love for God for love for something. The root of idolatry is this, you can put this in the chat, disordered love, disordered love, or a love that is in the wrong order. You see, the Israelites and the people, even in this situation that Paul is writing to through the Romans, he says, you've traded, you've traded the glory of God, your worship for God. You traded that in for something man-made. In other words, you've you've taken him out of order. Disordered loves, their lives and their loves have gotten out of order. Created things have got in the way of the creator. The Bible is all about getting the right things in the right order. The Bible is all about getting the right thing in the right order. Think of the scriptures, you shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment. Uh, You love the Lord, love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. The Bible is about getting the right things in the right order. And even Jesus echoed this idea in the New Testament when he said, seek first the kingdom of God. You can love all these other things, but seek first. Put the love of God first. It's it's an ordered love. Worship, and that's that's why worship must resist idolatry. That's the thing that's going to fight against this pervasive yet subtle idea of uh, of, uh, idolatry in our lives. Worship is about the priorities of our heart. That's what worship is. It's us, the priority of our hearts towards God. And idols, they're the fruit. Idols are just the fruit of a love that is in the wrong order. They're the fruit of a disordered love. In other words, putting something before God. I don't know if you've ever put something before God in your life before. I don't know if it was a big thing or a little thing. And it's something we don't really talk about but at the end of the day, you put something before God, that is idolatry. And that is something that God sees as so serious. See, oftentimes we think of idols as bad things, right? You know, that bad, um, you know, whatever it is, that bad thing, when you can't think of an example. Um, we, We often think they're bad things, but it's not always the case. Idols aren't bad things. You see, even in fact, the greater the good the thing is, the greater the good, the more likely we're going to expect more of it. Expect that it can satisfy our deepest needs and hopes. The better the thing, the more likely we're going to put more trust in it, put more expectation that it can satisfy us. You see, anything, like anything can serve as a counterfeit God. And especially the very best things in life. And that's what I want to get across to us today is that idols don't have to be some terrible thing. That's so obvious. It's the simple, they're the good things even of life. An idol is anything more important to you than God. Whether you would say that out loud, you probably wouldn't. But the way you live, the way you act, the way you prioritize will reveal those things. And the temptation for us as Christians who received the good things from God, just like the Israelites received the wealth of Egypt from God as provision, the temptation us is for us to turn good things into a God thing, to turn something that is blessed us into something that we now worship um, invertedly. In the thing that's difficult for us to comprehend when it comes to idolatry is that we live in a world where there is no reference point for idolatry. We can't say, oh, that's that's idolatry over there. There's no, because re- it's not a normal thing in our culture to have a, a God that we worship or a thing or a statue. In the antiquity, it was so, it was commonplace. It was more reference point. But today, it's hard for us to have that cultural framework or a worldview to support this idea of idolatry. But I think that's what makes us so much more susceptible to it. I got this quote by um, a gentleman named Bruce Benson and he wrote this, I've got it on the screen here. Not only are we capable of creating idols and worshiping them, we are likewise capable of being almost completely blind to their existence. Worse yet, we're often quite capable of providing a defense, you know, defending our idols And sometimes remarkably uh, respectable defense um, for why our particular idol is worthy or even orthodox or normal. That's what that word means. Our recognition of idols for what they are is often selective. It's often selective. Um, Most of us have reasonably well-developed idol detectors in other people uh, when, when it comes to idols of others. Yet, it's probably safe to say that all of us have our own particular repertoire of idols. I'm talking about hard work, love, family, fitness, sport, even church, and more. There are so many good things, but I want you to write this down. There are good things, but they can only be good if they're in their proper place, And in proportion, they're good. They're good if they're in the right place and with the right proportion in our lives. But not one good thing is God. And that's why we need to realize that idolatry is the worship of an unworthy object. If this is helping anyone, if some things are beginning to unlock in your mind, why don't you put an amen? Make sure you um, agree with the word in the chat. I can't see it, but I'm I'm sure it's there. Is it there, Josiah, the people reacting? Just give me, yeah, Oh. okay, cool, yeah, all right. All right, so this is it. Idolatry is a worship of unworthy objects. Here's the trouble, is that our desires as human beings get so easily entangled in our modern world. And this is why we expect expect the created thing um, to meet our needs as they were never designed to do. Each, each item in our world, good things, bad things, each item in our world fits, God has created to fit into the overall scheme of creation, the nature of things um, and the hierarchy of their, uh, of their status and what they are, everything, rocks, clouds, a car, a plant, a plant, okay, wait right there, a plant. I'm back. We're just having some fun. A plant, okay? Let's take the plant for example. God created this plant. It's good? Okay, we're good. God created this plant. Okay, I'll hold the bottom. The boys are telling me. God's created this plant. Amen? Someone say amen. All the white girls said, amen. All right. God created a plant, but its form is unchanging. Its status, its hierarchy in, in, in what it can provide it's level of satisfaction for us, right, can only hit a certain ceiling. It can only do so much for us. And if you love plants, it'll do more for you. If you're a white girl, like I said, this plant will give you this much satisfaction, heaps. But if you hate plants, you hate gardening, it'll give you this much. But the idea, I'm gonna put this here. Okay, the idea is this is that everything that God made, like the plant, is good, it's delightful, and it's a legitimate source of satisfaction. But the trouble is, we can't expect more of this plant. (laughs) I knew that was going to happen. I can't expect more of this plant than... All the white girls are crying now. We, We can't expect more of this plant than what it can provide. And idolatry happens when we begin to worship the created thing and give it more value than God had originally designed for it to have. We've got to give things praise and value and our love at the right proportion to their worth. I'm going to say that again. There are good things in life. And we have to. We are allowed to love them. We're allowed to find satisfaction, and joy, and energy, and renewal from those things. From our relationships, from our work, from our fitness and our health, from our hobbies, from our little gadgets and toys. They these are good things. But we cannot give them more love or more praise than than, than they are worth. When we begin to elevate our love, we disorder our love. And, and that's where the fruit of idolatry comes. Problems don't arise when we love things. Problems arise when we don't grasp the nature of the object's worth and when we give more love than it was originally apportioned. A disordered love will lead to a disordered life. Um, all right, to help us here, to get our eyes around some blind spots, right? Because it's easy to tell, oh, that person's addicted to their phone, or that person is addicted to the gym, or that person is order, But it's hard for us to look at ourselves. In order for us to peek around the blind spots of our own lives and spot some potential idols that we have set up in our own places, I've got a couple of categories that will be able to help us. There's two kinds of idols. I told you we'd get a little bit teachy today. Two kinds of idols. First... Uh, There are heart idols. These are things that we elevate to a sort of fake divinity within our own hearts. And then we also have cultural, cultural idols, cultural idols. And these are things that the world values that sees our affections and our devotion. So the first heart idols in Ezekiel 14, again, in verse uh, uh, 14, what? Chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Some of the elders of Israel came, and they sat down in front of me. Then the word of the Lord said to me, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts. And they put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let... Like- them inquire of me at all. So something is happening here. There are people who are coming to the man of God saying, we want to come before God. We want to speak to him. We would think that's a good thing. But listen to God's response. He's saying, yeah, they've come to me. They're doing the right thing. They're coming to church. They're coming to the man of God. But they have set up idols in their hearts. And then it says, this is what the sovereign law says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts and put wickling stumbling blocks before their faces and go on to a prophet... I, the Lord, will answer them myself, in keeping with their great idolatry. I will do this. Now, catch this. This is the heart of God for you and for me. It hasn't changed. Then it's the same today. To recapture their the hearts of the people. To recapture the hearts of the people. Can I tell you today that God's primary approach, his his primary concern for us. Is the devotion of our hearts. He is so interested in our hearts. It's so easy to have something take over our hearts as well, um, to make it make its way into first place without our even knowing about it. We can cu- we can attend church. We can give generously. We can sow sacrificially uh, while holding on to something that is different to God and holding something else as sacred above God in our own hearts. And that's why God always looks at your heart before any religious act religious duty that's why it's okay just you can just you can come to church and you can have your church clothes on you can have your hair nice your teeth whitened you can have it all going on you can be great but God doesn't look at the outside appearance he looks at your heart and when he sees he, he doesn't see you coming to church he doesn't even see you tithing so much he, he sees the condition of our hearts you know the ten commandments they start they start First, with our hearts, and they move outwards into our morality, into our behaviors and things like that. But when something takes place of God, our love gets distorted. And sometimes that thing is money, maybe it's financial success, maybe it's being really smart or intelligent or or relationships or power or even the fear of people. There is an endless list of heart idols that can elevate themselves but heart idols are those things that we put before God in the things that we value, in the affection, in our affections, and in our minds. Heart idols are those things that in our heart, we value that more than God. We, we, our affection is towards that over God. Our, our minds are constantly thinking about that over God. I wonder for you, is there anything that you've set up in your heart this way? So that's heart idols, and that's a big one, and we all have those. Um, the second one is this, cultural idols. Jesus said this in First John, he says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. You know, in the Greco-Roman world of antiquity, um, every region, every town, every city had its own local deities, its own local gods. Um, And these gods, these deities, these regional things, they dictated everything from fashion to music to identities, the general rhythms of life. And to us, regional gods, you know, the, the, the God of Brown's Plains or the God of Logan or the God of Britain, gods, it sounds so primitive to us, like that, that, that's not relatable to us today. But sometimes um, these, the, these um, cultural things, they're not so obvious, but they're often so subtle and they're often disguised as those good things, good cultural things, right? Good cultural things that we value, things like career or security, um, you know, all these things. uh, When we elevate them to first place, it can create this complex system in our hearts that's hard to detect and even harder to resist. And what we do often is we look to our peer groups. We look to those around us. How many times have you been to a party or a gathering of some kind? And you walk in there, you're just walking in. And then straight away, without you even realizing, what you're doing is you're looking at the culture of the room. You're looking at your peers and you're seeing what's acceptable. Have you ever shown up to something overdressed or underdressed? And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I, don't, I, I need to change or I need to, I need to uh, look more like that. You know, that is a good example of us looking at the culture and, and letting the culture define who we are letting the coach saying, you know what, I'm looking to other people to show me how I should act, how I should um, speak, how, how do I fit in, what do I need to change um, in order to fit in, to be accepted, to receive approval. We read the culture and then we conform. And in the same way that as a Christian... As a Jesus follower, what we want to do is be discipled into the image of Jesus and be transformed into the image of Jesus. In the same way, the world seeks to, um, seeks to disciple us and inform us on what we should be like and to transform us into its image. And that's where we can begin to bleed drops of compromise, when we take more uh, when, we, when we hear what the world has to say, what the people have to say, what culture has to say, and we take their um, opinions more highly than Jesus' opinion, where our lives are beginning to look more like the world and less like Jesus. That is the idea of cultural idolatry. Uh, I don't want to be a Christian that lets the, the culture shape my calling. I don't want to be the type of Christian that looks to what's acceptable, or what are other people doing, or how are other people dressed, or what are other people valuing. I don't want to look. Elsewhere, I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. I don't want to be shaped into the image of the guy down the road. I don't want to be shaped into the image to the guy next door, or my neighbor, or the person that worked that seems to have it all together. Or the person who's in a relationship and I'm still single, now I'm covering that. And I don't have... I don't want to look to someone else and be shaped into that image. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. I want to fix my eyes on Him. I want to be transformed into His image for my life. Let's not care more about the world's opinion than we do about Jesus' opinion. If this is helping someone, say amen in the comments. So, what's the big deal of idolatry? What's the big deal of idols? Well, the deadliness of idols is a real thing because idols cause distortion. Idols, they cause distortion. Distortion. Heart idols, they distort our lives, and cultural idols will distort our worlds. You see, when we begin to be conformed into the image of idols, we don't just think differently, but we become different people. Something happens on the inside of us uh, that works its way into our lives. And that's why Psalm 115 verse eight says, "'Those who make them,' talking about idols, those who make them will, and so uh, those who make them will be like them. So those who make idols, they'll become more like them. What you revere, you begin to resemble. And so uh, 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 we we don't want to be those type of people who are being conformed into the image of idols. Have you ever had a friend, right? I can think of someone who they've gotten a new passion, right? A new hobby, a new something and all all of a sudden that thing begins to affect everything about them, right? It changes their clothes, their schedules, they change their vocabulary with new words, they adjust their budgets, their friendship groups, other relationships, their conversations, things they buy, everything is aligned around the thing that has captured their heart, right? No matter what it is, participation brings formation. And it's like there's that inner change. When we begin to worship idols, you know, indirectly, they begin to distort our lives and we begin to become more. It begins to change us and things begin to change in us. And over time, we are shaped by the things that we serve. The things that we serve begin to shape us. And so if we serve idols, if we serve anything other than Jesus, it's going to distort us and the shape of our lives because we got to be transformed by the image of Jesus. I've got to hurry up here because we're going to worship after this because that is the antidote to idolatry. The antidote to idolatry. The antidote to idolatry is rightly ordering our loves. If idolatry is just a disordered love, the antidote is to put our loves right. The things that we love in their proper Place, getting our hearts, getting our minds, getting our soul, our strength oriented towards the thing that can truly satisfy us. And in order to do that, we need to resist and replace the idols in our lives. And that, hear me good, right and clear right here. And that is why worship is so important in our weekly rhythm. That's why it's taken time out to come together together as the body of Christ, to worship God is so important. We need that weekly opportunity for worship, for fellowship, for scripture and reading God's word to rightly order our hearts and loves as we release a fresh wonder towards God and right relationship with him. I love the prayer that David prayed in Psalm 139. He says, search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlast, in the way everlasting. Our submissive hearts towards God is almost like a spiritual MRI in our souls. And we begin to reveal the motives of our hearts. When we say, God searched me, we're, we're given God permission to give us that spiritual MRI and reveal the motives of our hearts, the things that lie beneath the surface of our behavior. And that's why we can't let things like busy schedules and travel, sporting events or vacations or holidays or personal preference take up priority over our call to worship. If you're too tired to come to church, you're revealing an idol. Oh, that was for someone right there. Not you. I wasn't looking at you. Just that person out there. Uh, We can't let things in our life... Um, uh overtake the call to worship, because that is the thing that will keep us together. And that's why it's so central for us when we gather as a church. That's why at a church we always start or we, at some point in the service, we will worship God together. It's rightly ordering our loves. And this is why our worship matters. Because wherever we are, whenever we gather, whether it's online or in person, Um, No matter how large, no matter how small the gathering is, uh, what you're doing when you gather together to worship is you're bearing witness before the powers that be, that you cannot be brought, that your heart will remain steadfast, and that your resistance will be potent and your vision set on Jesus. Uh, Worship becomes your rhythm. And when when you put God first and worship him, idols are resisted, And replaced by the one that can satisfy Jesus. You know, God is at war with your heart. God wants the devotion of your heart. And when we live lives of worship, we resist the idols, the little things, the good things of life. We take them off the pedestal. We take them off the throne. We take them out of number one. And we say, worship, we put you first. Jesus, we say you are the number one. Jesus, we want to worship you first. And when we rightly order our love for God, our worship begins to resist idolatry. Our worship resists idolatry. What we're going to do now is we're going to go, we're going to sing Waymaker together, right in your family home, in your lounge. Can I encourage you? Take this moment. Don't just watch a video. Really worship God. Really connect with his heart right now. Really take a moment to dethrone. Maybe you've got to take a hammer and smash some heart idols you've set up for yourself right now. You know, take some time this week and, and search. ask God to search you and give you that MRI scan of the things, the motives that are underneath our behavior. And let's ask God to get back on the throne. So come on, we're about to switch over to worship. We're going to sing "Wake Maker. Why don't you stand up? Why don't you sing aloud and put God first?
1: I'll worship you. Cause you are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the dark. That is who you are and 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 that is who you are that is who you are And that is who you are And that is who you are that is who you are. Even When I don't see it, you're working, and even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, and that is who you are. Waymaker, the Waymaker, miracle worker promise keep light in the darkness my god that is who you are declare that that is who you are who you are that is 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 who you are and that is who you are and that is who you are that is You are the way maker. You are the promise keeper, Jesus. We believe that you are the healing father. No one else but you. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, how much fun is it that we get to do church no matter where we are. If there were any little technical hiccups and any interruptions, apologise for that. But that's just the way the internet works sometimes. But um, as our situation is evolving constantly, st- uh, stay tuned on, on Good News Company together. And um, awesome. also, right now, Kids episode is live right now. Go over to church slash kids or on our YouTube and you can watch it with your kids it'll be great so thanks so much for coming and wherever we see you see you next week